I think that there's like no better feeling in the world than like knowing that you're loved and protected by God. Hey guys, welcome back to Starring Milana, the podcast. I am your host, Milana, and this is the second episode of season three, and I am feeling so chipper because I got my face beat, like done. Um, If you're listening on the podcast app, good for you. Make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe. But if you are watching on YouTube, you can see how gorgeous my face is. Okay, shout out to Anna Heart Makeup. I love how she does my makeup. And I wish she could do my makeup every time. Maybe I'll be excited to film if I look like this. Um, Anyway, welcome back. If you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, give this video a thumbs up, all of the goods. I love seeing your comments. I um, am touched every time that you guys say, like, you really need to hear this message. It it just kind of motivates me to keep going. So please, please, please keep leaving your comments, keep leaving your reviews. And um, yeah, I'll I'll keep going and I'll keep um, thriving to give you better content. So even if you don't, I'm still going to thrive to give you better content. I'm just saying it helps, you know, this shit helps. Anyway, welcome back. And yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It's Halloween week. I am really unprepared this year. Usually for Halloween, I have my costume ready like two or three weeks ago. I have several costumes ready and that is not the case this year because I don't really know what or if I'm doing anything. Usually at this point, I would have went to two or three parties or even just one party during the weekend and then maybe something on Halloween, but that's not the case. I have not gone anywhere and if I do end up doing something on Halloween, which I really want to because I can't skip a year of not dressing up. Like, I dress up every single year. If I do do something, I'm going to be Cleopatra, but I'm very unprepared. I do have, like, the bell. I can't remember what I have. I ordered a few pieces last year, and I didn't wear it. But I have um, the belt, and I have this, like, collar piece, and maybe a headpiece. I have, like, two of the three. I'm not sure what. It's in a bin somewhere. I ordered them from Egypt last year shout out to lena and um didn't get to use it because i was share for halloween so i hope i get to use it. i'm just gonna throw on whatever black clothes i have my hair is already short it's gonna get shorter this week I'm, i have a haircut tomorrow and yeah and i have a few pieces i'm just gonna put on like gold jewelry and figure it out if i end up going somewhere on halloween so so far my halloween costumes from what i can remember have been again share last year was like probably my favorite I was Cher and my friends were J-Lo and Selena and Aaliyah. So we did like a little pop group. It was really fun. And then I was a peacock one year. I had the ladies at the event design company I work at sew me like a peacock tail. That was really fun. It was like a slutty peacock. It's like I had a corset and a tutu on and this big ass like, like a Victoria's Secret peacock without the body or the tits, you know. So that was that. And then, damn, I always forget my Halloween costumes. I was Princess Jasmine, yeah, I, you know, I, I figured out the look a little bit. I'm pretty sure I wore, like, a kid's costume and then, like, replaced the top with a bra. Oh, I was Storm. That was one of my favorites because, again, you know, you wear the fishnets and you wear the leotard because, like, that's what you want to wear on Halloween. But, like, you know, what are you going to be? Like, you can't keep throwing on ears. The shit gets old for after a while. So I put on a blonde, long wig, and I was Storm. That was also really exciting. Um... Yeah, that's about it. I can't really remember any of my other costumes. One year on Halloween, 
I like went out during the weekend, but on actual Halloween, my boyfriend and I decided we were going to go to the Lakers game and I was a unicorn and that was really uncomfortable because I had a tail and I was like sitting on my tail at the game. It was like really strange, but that also happened. Um, and that's about it. So hopefully I have the opportunity to dress up as Cleopatra and I'll figure it out. Okay. If you're watching on YouTube, I had to actually, I'm going to move my iPad a little bit to the right. So I don't look like naked because right now I'm wearing something strapless podcast audio audience and my iPad is covering it and it looks like I'm filming this podcast naked and had you just taken a screenshot. It's like, damn, this bitch is thirsty for attention. She's filming a podcast naked and her boobs are covered by an iPad. Like I look like a lunatic. Let me just move it a little bit this way. So there we go. You can get my side boob action. Okay. Um, that's that. What else? So last week after I filmed my podcast I decided to like have a spa day because I had a gift card and I needed to relax I've just been running around like a crazy person and I got a um, massage and a facial and I have to tell you guys I know this about myself but I really do not know how to relax like I cannot relax I don't know what's wrong with me I'm I don't have ADD I don't have ADHD I don't have any of that kind of stuff that's probably like a bad stigma to even say like but I just cannot relax my mind is running like a million miles per hour all the time. I had a 90 minute massage and I could not disconnect not for one fucking minute. And every minute I kept telling myself, okay, that's it. Like you made a list in your head. Like you thought about everything you have to do. Now you're going to like relax. I relaxed for 30 seconds and then boom again. I don't know. I don't know how to like let go and disconnect and like free my mind. It's a really bad quality. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm going to go and sit in the jacuzzi and then I'm going to take a shower. And then before my facial, I'm going to really like try to meditate and relax during my facial. Nope. Same shit. And my facial, I'm, it was a relaxing facial too. Same thing. I can't relax. I'm thinking about everything. And I really need to make it a goal of mine to be able to like disconnect. And I know that meditation is a form of it, but again, I can't really even meditate. I think I just need to start with like five minutes a day. I think I say this on every episode. I need to start meditating and I have not started meditating. You know who else needs meditation is Lena. She can't like calm down either. We have the same thing. We talk over each other. We like talk at each other. We, one comes up with an idea. They almost like good idea, but I also have this. Like we both probably need to take a class together. We should find a meditation class. If you live in the air, LA area, towards like the valley area more not like LA LA let me know if you have any recommendations for a meditation class I've had a few but they're all like in deep LA and I just like don't have time to drive there like I'm gonna waste my whole meditation thinking about the traffic back so if you have any recommendations about meditation classes I have tried apps they do kind of work but I need to like really practice it in a room with people what else happened this week oh I didn't even say it. by the way we're in the BTS segment <laughs> <laughs> if you're new here, there are three segments on this podcast. The first one is called BTS, behind the scenes of my life, my past week. The second segment is called Talkworthy, where we pick a few things going on in the media and we try to offer a different perspective. And the third segment is called Dropping Gems, where we pick a topic of the week and we drop a few gems. So... What else happened this week? Foundation. I love telling you guys when I try new things. So I have started using a new foundation because Lena always looks like she just got fucking airbrushed. Like her makeup looks so good. And I'm like, what are you wearing? And she's told me for maybe a year now, Kevin Aquan, Kevin Aquan, Kevin Aquan. So I started like Googling and put Kevin Laquan. Laquan spelling is 
<laughs> not my forte. Uh, it's Kevin Aquan, and it's the Etherealist Foundation, and it's so good. I got samples at Sephora. I ordered the thing, and I love it so far. I'm not wearing it now because I said I got my makeup done, and I think this is Estee Lauder. Um, but this is Estee Lauder done by a professional, not Estee Lauder. You do that shit at home because that doesn't work. I don't look like this when I put on Estee Lauder. So let that be a lesson to you. Uh, I really recommend trying Kevin Aquan. I'm pretty sure it's for basically any skin type. Um, and it's a buildable foundation. Loving it so far. So good. Also, it's Help We Get Orange Theory. I have now completed three of the eight class. Mm, three of the five classes that I need. So we have the opportunity to complete five classes in eight days. So I've done three. So I only have two more left. And I'm really like, I was thinking about this the other day. Why am I killing myself during hell week at these workouts for a fucking raggedy t-shirt? By the way, these t-shirts are ugly. They're like the muscle tees. And they like, they're not sexy. They're showing all of my like, you know, side boob, boob fat, like these are ugly ass t-shirts and I actually got one last year and I never wear it unless like all my clothes are dirty. Why am I working so hard for this raggedy t-shirt? But it's just like, it's kind of like bragging rights. You know, you have to do it because you go to Orange Theory and like you see all these people all the time and like people sign up and they're like, I'm going to do hell week. And it's way harder than the regular classes. The regular classes are hard too. It's way harder than the regular classes. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. I signed up. I'm so competitive, like, even with myself. So, like, if I signed up, I have to fucking do it. My name was on that paper saying I'm committing to receiving an extra small T-shirt, um, preferably a youth small in men so I can get the one with the fucking sleeves. I'm going to do this so that I can get this T-shirt. So I have to work out to get this T-shirt. So I have been killing myself for three days straight. And now I need to complete two more to get this t-shirt. So far, the workouts have been, like I said, pretty intense. However, if you do go to Orange Theory, you know that there's two types of workouts. There's the ones of 60, which is like 60 minutes, meaning two groups. So you split between two different parts of the um, of the studio. So you either do treadmill half the time, and then you split the other half between rowing and the floor, or 3G, which means more people in the class, and you split it three ways. So you only get 14 minutes on the treadmill, 14 minutes on the rower, and 14 minutes on the floor. So because it's hell week and so many people sign up, at this point, it's been um, a lot of 3G classes. But they've been so hard that it doesn't even fucking matter. The first class, I'm pretty sure I did like 30 minutes worth of pulse squats. It was awful, awful. And I love work, like leg workouts. That is my jam. I love squats. Like when they're like, oh, you have 30 seconds left in this workout. I like stop doing whatever the fuck they want me to do. And I just sit in a squat. I love doing squats. 30 minutes worth of pulse squats. It was a nightmare. Okay. I couldn't even walk. My kneecaps hurt. Like, why are my knees hurting? That means I'm putting all my pressure in my knees. Like it was awful. And then today they made us like start running on an incline of 15 and then you get off and then you do this like floor to ground press and then you get back on and you run on 13 and then you it's just like what is happening then you have to row for 800 meters straight I'm five feet tall it is not easy for me to row and I have a partner and she's counting on me and I'm like bitch I have nothing to do with this I'm gonna row as fast as I can but these five foot long I mean five foot short legs like cannot keep up with the rest of us so yeah, it's been a nightmare, Orange Theory. Thanks a lot. Oh, not to mention, before my second workout, I had two veggie burgers and a fucking Peroni, which is an Italian beer. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? I almost vomited the Peroni onto my treadmill during my workout. So, not making great choices during Hell Week. Um, 
What else happened? Okay, so I, like I said, Gino and I are kind of like desperately looking for a new show to start. I've gotten some recommendations. Thank you. Keep sending them. But we did watch the Theranos documentary. So I've heard, I kind of heard about this briefly when it was happening. I was still in college. Um, it was 2013, I think, when when everything really went down. But Theranos is the company that Elizabeth Holmes used to own, where she was like a 19-year-old genius. And she claimed that she invented a machine and a system that will let you um, test for like hundreds and thousands of diseases by only doing a prick of your blood in the finger and like getting a vial that is like so, so tiny. And you're able to then take that little amount of blood and put it into like this machine and test for hundreds and thousands of tests. And the point for her was doing this was like, people don't like getting blood work. People, um, are scared of the, like, like first of all, getting their blood taken, but also, like, it's just a hassle. Like, you have to get so much blood taken to find out if you have anything wrong with you. And if you were to just ha- implement this, like, prick system, you could just walk into your local Walgreens, get pricked, they put it right into the machine, and you can find out right then and there if something is wrong with you. So she, that was the idea. Didn't go so fucking well. Um, I guess, like, she was so inspirational and she was so convincing and she would like the story just sounded good on paper this like 19 year old woman whose uncle died uh, or diagnosed with cancer I can't remember if he died I'm sorry um and they found out too late and had it been like earlier maybe whatever so there was this whole story that she shared and she kind of tried to follow the in the footsteps of like Steve Jobs and she was like an, an innovator like if someone tells me no I'm gonna like prove them wrong and she had 500 pairs of like turtlenecks in her house and like all she wore every day was black and she was in the office till four in the morning like whatever so like her story was really interesting so people really really believed in her and she instead of uh having a board of like scientists or doctors or people who can like really tell you that there's no way in hell that you can test for so many diseases with this much blood because you have to manipulate the blood you have to like Every single piece needs a certain amount of blood, like every single test. There's no way to do it. Had she gotten advice from those people, she would have known. But she didn't seek it because I think deep down inside, she maybe realized it really wasn't going to work. So instead, her investors and her board of, of, of people were people in the government, government officials, people with a lot of money, um, honestly older powerful men that could kind of like give her money and push her and spread her word and who had a lot of connections but nobody who was technically really testing this and she never um you guys probably know the story but I'm just so interested I'm a little late in the game but she never um even like allowed any anyone to come in and do a full investigation on this so it just got really crazy and what I learned from this is eventually she was charged with conspiracy and fraud because um, I think she got something over a billion dollars worth of investors' money and nothing ever came of it. They could not prove that this machine even works. They even got a partnership with Walgreens, like put the system into Walgreens, but never had the machine there. They actually just like did the prick or they drew blood and they said every time somebody came in for a test, like actually the the tests you're choosing, um, those have to get sent to the lab. They don't work with the prick. So no one even really practice the prick system and after a while people that work there started coming out they had to all sign NDAs but they started coming out against them and telling them like this is a false system and they had like a surprise investigation and she was charged with conspiracy and fraud it's still like a pending case I think but all of this goes to say she had this 
Mm, she would call herself a visionary, and I think like people around her that side with her said, you know, they really believe that she believed in that this could that this could really work out, and she really practiced fake it till you make it. And I hear that all the time. Fake it till you make it. Like, if you don't know how to do something, just say yes. You'll figure it out. And that is not a bad approach. There are times where you do have to be like, if someone asks you, do you know how to do something? They hired you for a certain thing. You're just like, yeah. And then you just Google it and you figure it out. But I don't think that works in the medical industry. Yeah, so what they were doing is they were taking people's blood and they were giving, testing it in their labs, trying it with their machine, and they ended up sending people wrong results. People were diagnosed with all of these things that they didn't have, or they did have something and they told them that they were fine. So they were giving people false results. You cannot have the fake it till you make it mentality if it affects other people's well-beings. The thing about investors too is I feel like they might, you know, you kind of have to be responsible for the decisions you make. If I'm going to invest millions or billions of dollars into something, I have to take responsibility for that as well. Sure, the idea of investing is an investing early is you get in early, right? You you believe in the idea. Even if the idea hasn't like um, came into fruition yet you believe in the idea so you invest your money because you see something like you see that it's going to be amazing great but the thing is you're investing millions and millions of dollars you need to make sure that there are quarterly checkups they have these board meetings you have to ask like what's the status what's the status you have to go into this facility see like where is my money going so when shit hits the fan and you invested in an idea that was like a dream and nothing came of it, like you are a bit responsible for that as well, right? Um, so anyway, that's kind of like what I've taken out of that that movie, um, that documentary. It's called, it's on HBO. I think it's called The Inventor Out for Blood. It's really, really good. It's very well done, but I'm interested to see what it, you know, is in her future. And I think it it does teach people to, be a little bit like careful when they come up with these ideas. Silicon Valley is full of people who have these great inventions, but you know, and, and then everyone's like, oh, millennials, like they know what they're doing. Let's invest money. Like, I don't disagree that, that there's a lot of good that comes out of um, new ideas and early investments like Uber's, you know, that was an early investment. If you invest in Uber early, like well, look where you are now, but you have to make sure that you, when you are on the other end and you are, these are your companies if you're going to use the fake it till you make it approach, you need to make sure that this is not in, this doesn't affect other people's lives. And essentially that's kind of what her um, company did. It affected people, investors, a man killed himself, committed suicide. Um, there's, you know, uh, people were diagnosed with the wrong things. Like there, there's a lot of blood in on her hands, right? So um, yeah, I would, if you have some time, I advise for you guys to watch it. I thought that was really cool. All right, guys, so now we're going to move on to the talk-worthy segment. Um, this is where we pick a few things going on in the media. So let's just start with Selena Gomez's new song. I think she has two. I only really listened to one. Um, I don't really have so much to say about it. I think it was fine. Like, her voice is really good. I think the song was fine. Um, there's people that are saying, like, this is so amazing and we really needed to hear it hear a song like this we really needed to hear from her because a lot of this like does sound like her past relationship with Justin um and then there's others that are saying like he's married now like at this point like you have to stop like your relationship's been over for so long and I'm just kind of like in between I think that music is you know self-expression and it really just 
is a story and it tells a time of like where you are in that place in your life when you sang that song, wrote that song, whatever the case is. So I don't think it's right of us to kind of say she should stop singing about him like he's married now. I get that respect factor, but I think we have to also respect her craft and her art and she is very expressive of, you know, where she is at that time she sings about it. So if, you know, this is a song that she needed to get out, then maybe this is a song that somebody needed to hear. So um, regardless of what you think about that situation, I think as a musician, it was important for her to get a song out like this. Speaking of music, let's just talk about Kanye. When the album was coming out, he did a few interviews. And, and I took a few things from these interviews. Let me read you guys something interesting. So during his interview with Zane Lowe, he said this. Now that I'm in service to Christ, my job is to spread the gospel, to let people know what Jesus has done for me. I've spread a lot of things. There was a time I was letting you know what high fashion had done for me. I was letting you know what the Hennessy had done for me. But now I'm letting you know what Jesus has done for me. And in that, I'm no longer... Wow, I cut myself. I cut the quote off. <laughs> Basically, he's letting you know what Jesus has done for him, right? So I love gospel music, okay? I've listened to um, Hillsong and Elevation Worship and Kirk Franklin. Like, I love Christian and gospel music. So I was really excited to hear this and see this side of Kanye, Um I'm really impressed with him saying in this interview that he wants people to see what Jesus has done for him. I think that there's like no better feeling in the world and like knowing that you're loved and protected by God. And like when you know that, you kind of feel it. You 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 live it, right? You walk every day feeling like you have a shield around you. And because you feel so loved and protected, you kind of want to share that love and spread that love. So I got kind of emotional when I read that because I feel like very happy for him that he is so passionate about um, God and Jesus and about where he is in, in, in his life today that he not only wanted to do an album about it, but he, you know, started the Sunday service and now he is talking about it in interviews. You know, you don't get to hear a lot of mainstream artists talk about their beliefs um, and whether that be political or religious or spiritual, you don't really hear a lot about that. So it's really impressive for one of the biggest artists of our time, one of the most talented, one of the most um, important artists of our time to kind of go in this direction. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I feel like when you are in this space and you are in this place and you feel this love and this protection, you kind of want to praise it and you just want to scream it. So I understand where this album came from and I enjoy the album I didn't know what it was going to be like I'm like oh my god Kanye is going to be rapping about God or like what is what is this going to be so I really liked it so far I have to give it maybe one or two more listens and figure out what my favorite song is but so far I really enjoyed it um I've listened to like Christian rap before and I'm not really like a fan of Christian rap like I think it could be a little bit cheesy like I like gospel music and like singing but I don't really love like Christian rap and I think this was definitely like a better I guess more mainstream take on that. So, um, yeah, let me, let me where Kanye is right now. All right, so the next topic I want to talk about is um, this banning the B word. Okay, I was, when I saw this headline, I was really confused. So Democratic House Representative Daniel Hunt proposed 
a bill that, if approved, would make using the B-word punishable by a fine or jail time. First of all, I'm ashamed that it's coming from a fellow Democrat. Second, like, we're all getting fined. Um, I think this is happening in Boston, so y'all figure it out over there. But that's really strange to me. That I mean, this is like that is a form of I would say free speech, and it's not like hate speech. I wouldn't say so. I don't know why somebody would attempt to ban that word. That he said that he heard somebody using it and he felt uncomfortable, and so that's when he decided that he wanted to move forward with this um, bill. And it says that a person who uses the word bitch directed at another person to accost, annoy, degrade, or demean is considered disorderly. I think this is silly, and I think this is a waste of our time. There's bigger problems going on, I'm sure, in Boston. So this is not where we start. Um, also, like, that's up for interpretation. Who is to say that the way I use bitch was to insult you when I could just be using as, um, you know, a casual conversation? Hey, bitch. I say that word all the time. I would literally be in depth if this was happening in California. I can't stop saying that word. It's really not great that I say it so much. Like, I could probably replace it with girl. Like, no, girl. You know, but, like, I can't. Like, bitch is just, like, in my vocabulary. It's so bad. If my mom heard me talking like this right now. But I, like, this is so silly. Maybe I'm offended personally because I use the word so much. I feel, like, personally targeted. Do you think he listened to this podcast and was like, damn, we need to stop like, having people talk about bitch in the same sentence as God? You know, it's pretty probably pretty bad. <laughs> anyway, um, come on, Boston. We've got bigger things to worry about. So the next piece of news is about Instagram. They removed the following tab. I'm not sure how recent this was, but I just realized again. Um, you know, I'm all for it. Who the fuck has time anyway for the following tab? I really, I'm sorry if I offend you right now. I don't understand people who sit on their following tab and watch what people are doing on social media. I honestly think it's almost like creepier than like w people watching and staring at people like in on the streets like this it's weird like just sitting on your phone and watching and refreshing your page every minute to see like who is doing what um I'm not for it I honestly didn't even know where my following tab was for a while like I didn't even know how to use it I never use it um so yeah maybe now people's like screen time will go down like the thirsty people and then also Instagram is just out here trying to humble us um they are removing the plastic surgery looking filters. You know, the filters that like make you look really pretty, like, you know, like you just got a facelift, but you didn't get it, get a facelift. Oh, um, yeah. They said that they're going to remove all of those filters. So I think that we've been spoiled at this point, so you can't take it back, but they don't give a shit. So I guess we're all going to go back to Snapchat. Um, I wish Snapchat changed their layout, but I don't think they're going to. So we're stuck using well, actually, what I've been doing really is taking my pictures on Snapchat and then taking those pictures and putting them on Instagram. That's what I've been doing this whole time. So I'm just going to continue doing that because obviously Instagram is like, you know, look, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. I think that they're really just trying to spread positive self-image. Self Thank you, Lena. Oh, okay, so I didn't know that. So Lena said they're getting rid of all of the filters that makeup cannot achieve. So if it's a filter that like has like maybe like some blush or something, they'll keep it. Or smooth it your face. Okay, so like a makeup filter. But they're removing all of the ones that like make your lips bigger or like squint your nose a little bit, like give you a facelift. That's what they're removing. Fine. 
Fine. I do know that there was a point of time, and maybe it's still happening, that people will take a selfie on these apps and, like, you know, put a filter on it. Then they would go to their um, doctors and just say, hey, like, can you give me filters or fillers or whatever, plastic surgery? I want to look like this. Like, why don't? Why doesn't my face look like this when I take pictures, right? And I think that is kind of a problem. So... I'm not opposed to it. I mean, we still have Snapchat. But people that are saying, like, they're going to take a photo and then, like, go on Facetune and then post it on the stories, like, you're doing too much. Like, no one has time to edit, like, a story picture. Alina, being the producer that she is, found me a quote for Instagram. Here we go. In an effort to appear not to endorse the significant disconnect between your brain and your body image when you use filters that distort your facial features, Instagram has decided to stop featuring all selfie filters that mimic the result of plastic surgery. Look, I get it. I think that if you're my age, then you're smart enough to know that, like, but you don't look like that. But I guess now we have these young people who are, like, 12 and 10 and they're using Instagram. Like, sure, I, I think that if I had kids, I don't necessarily want my 10-year-old who is not, like, fully like yet developed and who doesn't have a sense of like you know who she is or confidence to feel like she looks like this or want to look like this so I totally understand why Instagram is doing that look at them just being a pillar in our community wow all right moving on to the next story these are kind of um this one's a little sad um so 16 people are sentenced to death for setting teen on fire in Bangladesh According to Washington Post, a court sentenced six people to death this week for the murder of 18-year-old, and I'm so sorry if I pronounce her name wrong, Nusrat Jahan Rafi in April. The young woman was lured to the roof of her school, doused in kerosene, and lit on fire, dying four days later from burns that covered 80% of her body because she reported that her principal molested her. So... Her principal molested her, and she told the cops, and they arrested him, and the suspects planned the attack on her on the orders the principal gave from prison when they visited him. It was meant to look like a suicide attempt. You guys, this is so sad. I remember reading this story when um, it first came out, and I was really devastated. Um, you know, here in America, like, if you come out and say that you have been harassed, abused, molested. Some people will believe you, others won't. Um, and usually, you know, that they'll call you they'll call you names or or whatever. But not, you know, we don't see things like this. Um, knock on wood, this is really unfortunate and it's so so sad. But um, they were they were found guilty and they were sentenced to death including the principal for ordering the um, murder. I have to tell you, though, I I don't believe in the eye for an eye um, kind of mentality. I don't believe in the death penalty here, so I definitely don't believe in, you know, just because they killed somebody that we have to kill them. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't believe it. And pe people have said to me, like, when I've had these arguments, like, if it was your friend or a family member that was murdered by someone and, like, you know that it was them for sure and, like, even if they admitted it or you know, like, there's proof, you still wouldn't want them dead after they killed. Like, no, I, I, I don't. It's not for me. Like, even though they, these, these men decided that they were going to take her life, like, they were going to kill her, they, they made that decision 
I don't believe it's for us to decide that now they have to die. That is the eye for an eye mentality. I don't believe in that. I think that God would deal with them in the way that he will deal with them. And some people can say, like, this is how God is dealing with them. Like, he's putting people on earth that are, you know, voting for them to get the death penalty. But again, I don't believe that that's real. And I just think that it is sometimes a worse punishment to have to deal and live with the consequences of what you did. So, yeah, I wouldn't, obviously, I mean, not that I have the option to, but this would have been my first um, choice, but, you know, at least there's justice for this girl. So the last thing that we're going to talk about in Talkworthy is the Republicans storming the White House. Um, here is a quote from thehill.com. A few dozen House Republicans caused chaos on Capitol Hill on Wednesday when they stormed a room being used to hold closed-door testimony from an administration official as part of an impeachment inquiry into Trump. The lawmakers said they were protesting the lack of transparency from Democrats leading the investigation. Some of the Republicans who barged into the hearing room were in possession of cell phones, a violation of the rules governing the sensitive compartmented information facility, wow, English, where the depositions have been taken place. The stunt drew rebukes from Democrats and former Intelligence Committee officials who argued it impugned the integrity of the process and violated security protocols. So there's been a hashtag going around saying arrest these men. Um, I don't know, guys. I feel like everyone's kind of like confused, fed up, and all of the things in between with not only this like presidency, but everything that's going on in the White House. Nobody knows what's happening. Like, is he getting impeached? Is he not? I do have to say like their argument is that the public should know what's going on. And that's like rhetoric that they're using. Like we should know what's going on behind those closed doors. Like, you know, you guys, you, the citizens, like they're hiding something from you. Like that is wrong and incorrect. We cannot like listen to that kind of speech because that's not true. The Democrats are, this is an inquiry, right? They, they feel like they have reasons for impeachment. So they are, investigating those reasons they are interviewing people these are depositions right no one's on trial yet these are depositions so because of that they have the right to get all of the information that they need to get and it is not I truly don't think it is not meant for us to know right now what is going on it has to be behind closed doors because Democrats need to gather all of the information before they can make a case. So Lena loves using the word propaganda, so I'm going to use the word propaganda. Um, she believes this is propaganda because in no, <laughs> and I agree with you, in no other circumstance would they believe that private hearings like these should be open to the public. I think, honestly, I think that the White House in general is scared and these extreme, like these are like the conservatives are on the extreme side, right? That they are scared and they feel like because it has to do with Trump, they want to shake up whatever's going on and they want to use their language, their speech, their rhetoric, their propaganda to kind of get support from us, the citizens, to really say that what the Democrats are doing is wrong. I don't know if they're doing anything that's right or wrong. I don't think that they're doing anything illegal, okay? So if this is what the standard has been forever, like if this was reversed and Republicans were doing something like this and they were asking questions before they even filed for actual impeachment, and this is an inquiry, they were gathering all the information, would a group of Democrats storm into 
a private deposition like this? I don't think so. So um, I don't know. I don't know all the rules. I don't know if, if Republicans are allowed to be there. I think they are. I think it's kind of like open to government officials. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I don't think it's meant for us to see or for us to hear. So having a cell phone in there is a breach of security. So... Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, at least let's like, if we're not going to agree, let's at least follow the rules that we have and we've built in this government and that are, you know, that we need to keep and maintain in order to kind of upkeep our privacy. Look what happens when we have cell phones and all this media in in these private rooms and these private like areas, we get people who can hack into our systems. So um, yeah, this is crazy and it's definitely like developing and the fact that like Trump supported that they did this just goes to show like how of a reckless how reckless of a time we're in that's all I really have to say about that um and finally we are going to move on to the dropping gems segment the topic of the week this week was kind of inspired by um Something I read in Chelsea Handler's book, as you know, this is the fifth and final book of the book club for 2019. I might squeeze in another book personally, but so far this is the fifth book of the year. And in this book, in the earlier chapter, she talked about the difference between empathy and sympathy. So this is something I never really thought about. Um, I kind of use the words interchangeably just because, well, one, my English is my third language and my vocabulary is just not quite there yet. But two, I just kind of was like, whatever, whatever word fits in here sounds better. Um, like, I'm, I'm sympathetic. Oh, you have to be empathetic. Like, I used to just use the words as if there were one word, like not even realizing you know, anyway, so in this book, she sits, she's sitting down with, I guess, her therapist, and she's talking about how she um, thought that she was always, like, she's like, I'm an empathetic person, blah, 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 and so when he really, like, broke down the definitions, she realized that she was actually more sympathetic and not empathetic, and that is a big difference, and it is a big deal when you realize what the difference is, and it kind of tells you a little bit about yourself as a person when you realize the difference between the two. So let me just read the definitions for you. So sympathy is feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. Again, feelings of pity and sorrow. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. So you're understanding and you're sharing the feelings. That's empathy. Sympathy is feeling the pity and sorrow, right? So there's three different types of empathy. There's cognitive empathy, which is basically being able to put yourself into someone else's place and see their perspective. There's emotional empathy, and that's when you quite literally feel the other person's emotions alongside them as if you had caught the emotions. And then there's compassionate empathy, and that's feeling someone's pain and taking action to help. So I think I have probably been all three at some points in my life. Um, you know, compassionate empathy is when I see somebody really struggling, like I feel their pain, and in the moment I try to figure out how to help them. I think that emotional empathy, there's been several times in my life where I really felt it. This is like maybe reaching, but I remember watching my sister's keeper one time and like it's a really sad movie and like I have a sister and like, you know, the sister like has cancer, she passed away, whatever. And I, in those moments, like when the actress was like so filled with pain and sorrow, I actually physically felt the pain. Like I, that moment I really remember very clearly in my life because it really hit my body. Like I felt it in my body. Um, but I think most of the time I do practice like cognitive empathy. I always, when I hear a story or um, someone's going through something or I see something, I always put myself into 
their place into their shoes and I try to see everything from their perspective. I try to understand why people react a certain way, why people believe the things that they believe because, you know, I process it from their point of view. So I would say that I'm mostly, I practice cognitive empathy, okay? Um, and I really wanted to dive into this topic because with everything that's going on with Meghan Markle, um, I think up until this point, her and... Um, the fuck is his name? Harry? <laughs> Bitch, he's not my prince. <laughs> I don't even know his name. We know Megan. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so um, up until this point, him and Megan have been really managing everything quietly, everything that's going on with the media. And when I saw her kind of crying she wasn't wasn't crying she was just like teary-eyed and he was bringing her to tears when that, that portion of the documentary um when she talked about you know being ridiculed and people's comments and how hard everything was when I saw that part I really like felt it I really I really closed my eyes and thought about like I processed it I thought about like I can't like imagine if I was her like, I just, and she said this, she just had a child. Like, not only did she just get married and get thrown into the public eye, but she just like, got pregnant right away. Then she had a child, and then she just had a child, especially at an older age. Like, and her, like, now, she, I mean, I don't know, but postpartum mentally, like, when you're a new mom, you're just going through all of the emotions, the fears, especially when it's a first child. You're going, I've never had a child, but I, only know because my friends and everything I've read, you are going through all kinds of emotions. There's fear, there's, you know, lack of sleep, there's all kinds of things. So you think about the state that she is in and then you think about being constantly attacked by the media. You know, you this is probably, uh, this media, this is, this is uh, allegedly, uh, these three sources are like, are constantly pounding on her. Like, I don't think that they like her wanted an American foreigner who's half black to come in like there's a lot of things that you know this is uh, I think it's like they kind of saw it as like rebelling you know Prince Harry's like wow he's bringing in a foreigner an American an actress and she's half black like all of these things I don't think they like her very much they talk about everything the way she sits the way she crosses her legs the way she smiles the this the that and I think Kate got it too but I think she's getting it like way worse however there's got to be a line that we draw, right? There's there's definitely got to be a line. And when the one of the papers released the private letter that she wrote to her father, that was really crossing the line, okay? So that is when her and Harry became fed up and they decided to sue the media. And people were really, really upset about that. Um, I went on YouTube and I watched a portion of this documentary. Here's some of the comments that I saw. And I quote, eh. For about millions a year, fame, she can suck it up. You bought into the play. Another one. They have wealth, health, and resources, yet they cry over bad reputation. If media is so bad, then go private. Stay away from the limelight. You're always royalty. Where do you go? Like, these are comments that I keep seeing. Like, somebody said that, and then someone else commented and said, but you're always royalty. Where do you go? Like, you can't just turn off the limelight, right? Um, aside from, like, them being royalty or famous or whatever you want to call it on like a humanistic level she doesn't deserve this like nobody deserves this nobody deserves to not only be ridiculed every single day but especially when they're just like a new mom I think that is just like such a sacred time and such a sacred moment and for her to have to you know 
have a child and go back into like work because this is work what they do is work they travel they work they go to all the events like they are representing a country in a, in a sense like they're part of the royal family so yes they are working for her to have to go right back into that and then constantly be like bashed in the media yeah she's allowed to feel some type of way and if you as a viewer a, an onlooker or whatever don't understand that like that she is in a, not a great place that to me shows that people like really lack empathy and I think that's scary right to be able to say like oh yeah I feel bad for her however like no there's no however's like that is you know I tried to think like maybe they're sympathetic maybe they're not really understanding or like can't really feel her pain but they they see that she's like you know she's hurting like oh I see that she's hurting like I feel bad that she's hurting but like there's no buts when you see someone's hurting like Sure, there's maybe some some certain instances, but this is not that. I think that if you take everything away, you strip away the fact that she is royal or that, you know, this family is in, in the limelight and they could go private. By the way, I think like majority of the time they are very p private, but there are moments when they have to be public. They go to these events, there's these documentaries. Like, yeah, they are public in a sense. They're not like FaceTiming their, they're not like storing their like, flight to whatever like that is they are private they're public when they're working right so they do choose to be private majority of the time but for people to say these things about her and say these comments just because they might not like her or like they don't really like who he chose to be like you know who he ended up marrying that just goes to show you that like you choose to be empathetic right yeah and that is something that is like a learned behavior and it's situational and I think that that is what's wrong with a lot of people if you don't like somebody um or you don't or you disagree with their ways I think that when people are hurting or they're in pain or they're going through something like you have to be able to separate what your beliefs are and like really feel for them I think that the world is a better place when we really try to practice empathy and not everyone is like born with this kind of sense of empathy I think that it is something that you can learn it's a learned behavior and if you take on your day-to-day -day encounters with people, um, your family or whoever, with just being calm, patient, empathetic, I think that it'll change a lot of your surroundings and your environment. Because if the shoe was on the other foot, you would want people to be empathetic towards your situation. You would want people to put themselves in your shoes and understand why you're reacting the way you do, why you're hurting a certain way. I really wanted to um, cover this in Dropping Gems because I wanted to educate people on the difference between sympathy and empathy because I personally didn't really know what it was, the difference was, and I just kind of, like I said, use them interchangeably. So I think that once you understand the difference, when you are encountering people that, you know, maybe need a little bit of love, you can really process and understand what place you're coming from. If you're coming from a place of sympathy or a place of empathy, and I think it's always best to come from, if you can, from a place of empathy um, because that's what you want somebody to that's how you would want somebody to treat you is to come from a place of understanding I think that any of us can really feel pity for someone that's not hard any of us can really feel sad or bad for someone that's all surface level but to really try to build understanding that is a really important quality to have and I think that um, yeah I just encourage you guys to practice empathy in your day-to-day -day lives so I hope you enjoyed that Dropping Gems segment. Happy Halloween. Um, happy Monday. Hashtag Milana Monday. Make sure to share this episode with somebody if you really learned something or 
felt like I was speaking to you. Um, make sure to leave a comment, a review on podcast apps, on YouTube, on all the goods, and follow me at Starring Milana on Twitter and Instagram. And we'll be back next Monday.